sprung up around. Uh, it must be your pen, Chuck. It says Pacific University. <clears throat> sprung up around Palm Sunday, and I'd like to diminish that just a little bit if I can. And so to the, the title today is "What Really Happened on Palm Sunday." And if you'd join me in prayer, Father in heaven, we're going to approach your word, and we always do so with fear and trembling, knowing that it's possible for us to misinterpret it, possible for us to not understand, but we earnestly desire to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what we want to do this morning collectively. We want to understand your scripture, see what it says, see what hope it offers us. We ask for your mercy and blessing as we approach your word in Jesus' name. I don't know what it means, but I was just noting to Jan that all the lights have sparkles around them for me this morning. Okay, we're in Matthew chapter 21. We're going to, I'd like you to turn there and then hold your finger there. Matthew chapter 21 and the other passage, the main two passages will be Matthew 21 and Luke 19. So if you could find those two. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. Luke is the third. Uh, We'll do a little bit of dodging around outside that because I want to pick up some prophecies that were (coughs) given in Zechariah. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11 (coughs) is where we're going to be. I've frequently heard preachers declare that the same people that were saying Hosanna to the Son of David and Blessed is he that came in the name of the Lord on Sunday morning as Jesus walked into Jerusalem were the same ones three days later that were calling for his crucifixion. Uh, When I first heard that, I thought, what a tragic thing. But as I studied the scripture more, as we're going to see this morning, I found out that's not so. That's not so. We've read so much of the coming judgment on Jerusalem in past studies, it's hard to even understand how they can be returned to full blessing, but God says that is so, that Jerusalem is going to be blessed again. But in the meanwhile, they've come under judgment, and we're going to see why. So we want to take a careful look at this frequently made claim that Jesus' followers at large turned against him. We're going to see that's not so. So Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> says, When they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, they were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives. Then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. <clears throat> Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught to you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he, shall, he will send them. <clears throat> and all this was done that it might be fulfilled by that which was spoken of the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitting on an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. That's from Zechariah uh, chapter 9, verse 9, <clears throat> which I'll quote in full in a moment. And the disciples went, and they did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the ass and the colt, and they put upon them their clothing, their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude, we're going to need to identify who this multitude is. That's going to be important. 
A very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strew them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. <clears throat> That's who they recognized as the coming king, the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. <clears throat> Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude answered and said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. <clears throat> okay, hold your finger there. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 19. Similar passage. <clears throat> same, actually the same uh, situation. <clears throat> Luke chapter 19, verses 29 through 40. <clears throat> It came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany, that's another little tiny village right next to Jerusalem. <clears throat> it came to uh, ascending up to Jerusalem, that's where he was going. <clears throat> that was from verse 28. It came to pass when he came nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called the Mount of Olives, Olives. <clears throat> he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied, this one doesn't mention the mother, <clears throat> whereon yet never man set, loose him and bring him here. And if any man ask you, why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. <clears throat> and they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, why loose ye the colt? <clears throat> That's logical. I mean, today you'd say, why are you, why are you getting into my car? See, there's a beast of burden. <clears throat> and as they were, uh, sorry, why loose ye the colt? Verse 34, and they said, the Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he had come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples. So the multitude we're talking about in, in Matthew chapter 21 <clears throat> is the same multitude here that most of them were Jesus' disciples. <clears throat> the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, past tense. When did they see them? Well, we're going to find out. <clears throat> Saying, Blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke your disciples. They didn't like what they were hearing. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Wow. <clears throat> so we need, to, we need to do a little bit of thinking here. <clears throat> I didn't read far enough. I wanted to read through 49, uh, 44. I stopped at 39. Let's read on from there. Uh, now I've lost my place. Here we go. And when he had come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it, saying, If thou had known, hadst known, even thou, speaking to Jerusalem, <clears throat> at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto the, thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. 
for the days shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. <clears throat> in other words, you missed your chance. Okay. Now, let's, let's go back and think a bit. Where was Jesus coming from? It says he was going up to Jerusalem. We went back to verse 28. It says he was ascending up to Jerusalem. But where he was coming from, if I go back to Luke chapter 18, verses 35 through 43, <clears throat> he was headed up to Jerusalem from clear down below Jericho. And when he passed through Jericho, if I read all four Gospels, I see that when he was going into Jericho, he healed a blind man. Coming out the other side, he healed two blind men two different guys. While he was in Jericho, he transformed Zacchaeus' life forever. That's where we get the story about Zacchaeus up the sycamore tree, and we sing songs about it and so forth. But see, none of that's in this story we're reading. The point is, he was headed up to Jerusalem the whole time. They're seeing blind men healed. They're seeing sinners transformed by the power of God. <clears throat> and when he got to Bethany, what else had happened in Bethany? Well, that was where he raised Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 12. Excuse me, verse chapter 11. And there were his friends were there. Martha and Mary were there. They were Lazarus' sisters. Lazarus' friends were there. The, all these disciples that we see crowding him walking into Jerusalem, they were from the group that had seen all these miracles, including those that had seen Lazarus raised from the dead. And by the way, when Lazarus was raised from the dead, there were enemies there too. There were hostile witnesses. And the Pharisees, immediately after Lazarus' resurrection in chapter 11, in chapter, John chapter 12, it says that they counseled together how they might kill both Lazarus and Jesus. What kind of knotheads are you? You see somebody raised from the dead, you, you meet the man that has the power over life and death, and all you can think of is to kill both the guy who got raised from the dead and the one who raised him? There's something wrong with you, man. We all fear death at one level or another. So I know there's people that brag they don't fear death, and there's Christians who clearly don't fear death because they've already died with Jesus at the cross. Okay. But that's the group of people that are following him, is the ones that saw all these miracles. That's why I said they were praising God for the mighty works that they had seen. This is, this is his real disciples. Did they all understand who he was? I don't know. They didn't say anything about him being the Messiah. They did say the son of David. And as Jews, they should have understood, if they didn't, that the son of David that they were calling on was the Messiah, <clears throat> the coming king. Also, the words they were saying, Hosanna, we think that means like praise the Lord or something. No, it doesn't. Hosanna is, is Hebrew. It literally means save us now. They were calling on him as a savior, whether the savior that would save us from our sins or whether they only wanted to have him save them from the Romans. I don't know. But they at least knew that much. And they, his disciples, were saying, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Okay, that's going to become important in a little bit. <clears throat> we see that Jesus was coming up from Jerusalem. He was coming directly from Bethany into Jerusalem with this crowd of people that all of them liked him. Some of them had already placed their faith in him as their savior. <clears throat> Some were a little confused about who he was. They called him a prophet and so forth. 
Now let's turn back to Matthew chapter 21 again. And we'll see that in Matthew 21, it was the multitude of his disciples. It just says the multitude there in Matthew 21. Oh my goodness, where, where is it? Here it is. Matthew 21, verses 8, 9, and 11. It says, the multitude were spreading the garments in his way. The multitude was saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Which multitude? The multitude of his disciples. That's what we saw over in Luke. <clears throat> and the multitude answered, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. <clears throat> I don't know whether they understood that he was the Messiah or not, but they at least saw him as a savior of some sort. <clears throat> Every single one of these people knew him at some level and they came into the city and what it says about the city it says that the city was stirred when we see in uh, Matthew 21 10 it says when he came into Jerusalem all the city was moved saying who is this in Luke it says uh, No, and Luke just says that when he came into the city, he wept over it. Uh, but So the city was moved. The city was stirred. It doesn't say anything about the city believing in him. In fact, all they could ask was, who is this guy? Why are you doing this? <clears throat> and they said, that Jesus, this is Jesus, the, the prophet that came out of Nazareth. <clears throat> the, the ones who were following, his disciples, were the ones saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was the multitude of the disciples who said that. The inhabitants of Jerusalem, they were stirred up. They were moved, but they didn't, they didn't receive him as their king. Why is that important? <clears throat> Why is Jerusalem important? Jerusalem is the city of the king. Jerusalem is the city that had to receive Jesus for Israel to officially receive their king. And they did not. They rejected him. <clears throat> There is coming a time, God says, there's coming a time when all the Jews collectively will finally turn to Jesus as their Messiah. And they'll weep over their sin and <clears throat> the fact of their guilt. They'll weep over the fact that they crucified the Messiah. But when will it occur? After the tribulation. And where will it occur? In Jerusalem. How do I know? Well, Jesus says it's going to happen after the tribulation. Let's go read what he says about that. <clears throat> turn it back Turn a little farther forward to Matthew chapter 24. <clears throat> Jesus described the tribulation in a lot of detail. <clears throat> and Matthew 24, starting verse 29, he says, immediately after what? After the tribulation of these days shall the sun, the, the physical sun in the sky, be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. <clears throat> and then, when? After the tribulation. Then shall, the, shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then, after the tribulation, shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the one end of heaven to the other. <clears throat> it's the tribulation saints, evidently. <clears throat> okay? 
Hold your finger here. We're going to come back. Turn a little further back to your left, past Malachi, which is right before Jer uh, Matthew, into the book of Jeremiah. <clears throat> and I'd like to read in, Zer in Zechariah, I said Jeremiah, I think, Zechariah chapter 14, <clears throat> verses 3 through 5. And this is what, this is how God describes the second coming, the physical second coming. He says, then shall the Lord go forth. This is Zechariah chapter 14, verses 3 through 5. <clears throat> if you're still looking for it, Zechariah is right before Malachi. That's that Italian prophet, Malachi. <clears throat> then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet, whose feet? The Lord's. And notice that's all caps, the Lord. His feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. Where did Jesus ascend from? Do you remember in Acts chapter 1? Mount of Olives. You remember that they'd gone to the Mount of Olives. He gave the final iteration of the Great Commission. By the way, he gave it five different times. And then he was taken up into a cloud out of their sight, and two angels appeared beside him and said, Why are you standing there staring up into the sky? He's going to come back the same way you saw him leave. Well, here we see he's not only coming back the same way we saw him leave, leave physically, visibly, but landing on a Mount of Olives. <clears throat> it says, His feet shall stand on that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave, which King James says cleave, it means split, <clears throat> in the midst thereof, toward the east and the west, there'll be a ravine running east-west for uh, see, for, and there shall be a very great valley. Half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half toward the south, and you shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach to Azal. Yea, ye shall flee like as you fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with him. All right. That's an awfully odd response. Usually when people have an earthquake and the ground splits open, everybody runs the other way. The tension outside the city and within Jerusalem is going to be so severe that people are going to gladly run into a freshly opened cleft in the ground to be hidden from the destruction. That's how bad things are going to be. That They'll be willing to run into that opening in the ground. <clears throat> Turn one, one page to your left further. I'd like to point out, too, how the people are going to respond to seeing Jesus. This is how the Jews, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, are going to respond. <clears throat> I'm not going to read all of this, but in Zechariah chapter 12, if you read verses 1 through 10, in fact, if you ever run into anybody that doesn't believe that Jesus is God, they believe that the Jehovah of the Old Testament is somebody completely different than the Jesus of the New Testament, read this passage with them. All the way through, it repeats over and over who's talking, and it's all caps, L-O-R-D, all caps. That's Jehovah God. That's his Old Testament name. <clears throat> all the way through, and it's reiterated over and over who's talking. And when we finally get to verse 10, still with the Lord speaking, he says, I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem. This is where it's happening. 
Zechariah 12.10, I will pour out upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace. Remember that grace is God giving us something we don't deserve. It's unmerited favor. The spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me, says the King James, whom they have pierced, and shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him. There's one that's in bitterness for his firstborn. Can you imagine the grief they're going to feel realizing collectively for the first time in history that we crucified our Savior, we crucified the Messiah? But what happened on Palm Sunday is building up to that crucifixion. And it was, it was predicted. I mean, that's what Isaiah chapter 53 is all about. That's what Psalm 22 is all about. That's why Psalm 22 begins with, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It's leading up to the crucifixion there in Jerusalem because the city of David, because the city of Jerusalem, the city of the king, rejected their king. So Jesus only told about part of the day of the Lord. The Old Testament talks a lot about the day of the Lord. It starts in, oh, I think in Jeremiah chapter 2 maybe, and then it starts on and over and over and over and over talks about the day of the Lord. Isaiah mentions that uh, Isaiah 11 talks about wonderful things that happen during the day of the Lord. Amos talks about terrible things that happen in the day of the Lord. And over and over it says the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. But then it talks about all these things that are absolutely the opposite of a thief in the night. They're broad daylight and everybody sees them happen. Okay, but the day of the Lord stretches. It begins with the rapture, which absolutely happens as a thief in the night. Nobody sees it coming. They wake up and something's gone. Us. We're leaving. I knew a couple of young ladies sharing a, uh, an apartment. They each had their bedrooms and so forth, and they got up in the morning and found out that while they slept, someone had broken into their house and stole all their stuff. They felt completely violated. They felt unsafe. They didn't want to live there anymore. Well, that's what a thief in the night does. Sneaks in and takes something. You didn't see it coming. You didn't see it going. You just wake up in the morning and something's gone. The rapture is going to happen that way. There is no warning. The rest of it, we've been warned. The rest of it is choreographed. You can say almost day by day, this is what's going to happen next. We're not going to be there to see it, but it's laid out. <clears throat> so it begins as a thief in the night. The next thing is the tribulation. If you want to read about these things, start in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, and read through the end of the chapter, and then sweep right on into chapter 5. Remember that in the original, there were no chapter divisions or verse divisions. So from 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, where he clearly describes the rapture, he sweeps right on into 1 Thessalonians 5, where he clearly describes the, the tribulation. And we see what happens there in the book of Revelation from chapters, from chapters 6 through 19. And starting in verse 19, we see the physical return of Jesus at the end of the tribulation, which is what he described in Matthew 24. See, in Matthew 24, he only described a little piece of the day of the Lord, the tribulation and his second coming. Matthew 25, he describes a little further, but he doesn't describe the kingdom there. In, in Revelation chapter 20, we see the kingdom age and 
ending with the great white throne judgment. That's the end of the day of the Lord. It begins with the rapture, ends with the great white throne judgment. That's a thousand and seven years. That's one long day, but that's the day of the Lord. So what are we seeing here? <clears throat> Jesus described this in Matthew 24, warning specifically Jerusalem. That's <clears throat> why the judgment on Jerusalem is predicted in Isaiah and in Amos and all these other places because they're the prime offenders. They're the ones that routinely rejected and killed the prophets. So when Jesus was weeping over them, he said that they're the ones that stoned the prophets. They're the ones that killed the prophets. <clears throat> so what we saw there in Matthew 21 and in Luke chapter 19 was that the disciples, that great multitude of people that were crying out, Hosanna to the king, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the, in the name of the Lord. They were not the ones calling for his execution. <clears throat> I skipped something. I want to look back. Uh, in Matthew 23, let's turn to Matthew 23. Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem again. Matthew 23, starting in verse 37 through verse 39. <clears throat> Matthew 23, verses 37 through 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, for I say unto you, you shall not see me. Who, who's he speaking to? Jerusalem. You shall not see me henceforth until ye, King James plural, if you're if Southern Americans, this would say you all, <clears throat> until ye say, shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Until Jerusalem says, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. The disciples have been saying that for 2,000 years. That's what they were saying walking into Jerusalem. Jerusalem did not say it. And until Jerusalem responds that way, and we read when it's going to happen, after the tribulation, we read where it's going to happen, at the split mount of olives. Jesus says so. Until Jerusalem says, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, they're not going to see him. <clears throat> okay. Jesus gave the time frame. We already read about that. <clears throat> We know what's coming. We know that the, that the, that the uh, what do you call it, Palm Sunday was building up to the crucifixion specifically to fulfill the prophecies of the Old Testament. It had to include both his, quote, triumphal ride into Jerusalem where his disciples blessed him and Jerusalem rejected him and the crucifixion. It fulfilled all the prophecies, the good ones and the bad ones. And we still got some to come. Next week, we're going to see the rest of the story. Next week, we're going to talk about the resurrection. <clears throat> the ones who had shouted Hosanna, the disciples, they were terrified that they'd be executed next. You want to remember when Jesus first met with his disciples after the crucifixion, they weren't out on the streets someplace. They were hiding in a locked room for fear of the Jews because they knew that they were marked too. And all the 
disciples had been scattered. Jesus had predicted that. In Matthew 26, verse 31, it says, Jesus said to them, All of you shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. He was quoting Zechariah 13, 7. We read from Zechariah 12 and Zechariah 14. In between there, Zechariah 13, is where it's prophesied that the disciples were going to be scattered. They weren't the ones yelling, crucify, crucify. They were the ones that had scattered for fear they were going to be killed too. He was quoting Zechariah 13, 7. That's exactly what happened. The disciples are not the ones that turned on Jesus. Okay. A lot of people are fearful that they're somehow going to turn on Jesus and become his enemy. If you've been born again, if you've become a child of God by faith, you've been born again into his family, you're not going to turn, turn against him. You could, you could fall and be bitter. I, I know people in my own family that become bitter against God and, and quit walking with him. That doesn't change the fact they're born into his family. It does change the fact they can't, they don't fellowship with him at all. They're not experiencing his peace or his joy. But they're born again people. Probably all of us here have known people like that. It's a sad thing. You can pray for their healing, their spiritual healing. But next week we're going to talk about the resurrection because that's what turned all of our lives around. That's what put us into a whole new game. We'll talk about that next week. Good news is coming. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Lord Jesus, direct our hearts to apply your word correctly, to read carefully, seeking earnestly to see the light of your countenance in the written word. We know that it's a black and white portrait of the king, and we want to see you face to face. Help us to apply your word to our own lives and to walk as your disciples and to be the men and women of God that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name.